The following podcast is brought to you by the Bridge Bible Church in Somerset, Wisconsin. For more information, please visit our website at thebridgewired.com. Amen. Will you just lift up praise to the name of Jesus? Will you just lift up praise, say a hallelujah and amen. Lift up your voice, give a shout, whatever. Just praise his name for he is so good. He is so good. And we have gathered here today to worship and to be in his presence. And he is moving. Andre, your prayer is being answered that the spirit is moving. He is here. He is working among us. And we get the pleasure of hearing how he has moved and worked uh, with this mission team that went to Brazil. Uh, And so I'm going to invite them to come on up and then I'll get out of the way. And they're going to Uh, Give some testimony. Just, I think you're going to try to make every single person say something. But you'll get to see some pictures uh, of it and get to hear what we've been praying about. And at the end, I'm going to close that time of testimony by just praying that the work of God that has begun, which actually started even before they went, but the work of God that has begun through them, we're going to pray together that he will continue working and moving and using all that they've put their hand to. So, Please share with us all that God has done on this beautiful trip. You're going to have to scoot down. And if you're on the end, you probably won't be seen on the video. So maybe you're, you're extra introverted. And yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Well, good morning. So happy to be here to share with you a little bit about Brazil and the mission trip that we just got back um, Tuesday was when the team got back. Um, it was incredible. It's hard to even put it into words. So um, I'll, there's a couple pictures that we'll show really quickly to give you an idea. And then I just really want to turn it over to the team to be able to share what's on their heart. But it was such a blessing to be able to serve alongside Restoration Ministries and be a part of all that the Lord is doing in in, the, in Sao Paulo and in some of these communities that are different than anything that any of us have ever seen before. Um, so we, when we arrived, we went to Camp Camp California, which is just a, a beautiful setting. Um, the picture there is, it's really small because <laughs> there were a lot of people in it. There were over 60 kids, the biggest camp. Um, we were one of five teams uh, that served there. And so it gave the opportunity from ki- for kids from the different communities and different age groups to go to this camp, which is polar opposite of the environment that they live in. So we were there for the first for the first weekend. And if you go to the next slide, um, we spent the rem- the rest of the time um, going to four different communities. They're called favelas, basically slums. Um, and we shared the gospel message. And so I want to thank um, many of you for for who helped with the banners and, and Heidi, I'm especially looking at you um, that we use to share the gospel message and that we're going to continue to use after we leave. Um, I also want to thank all of you who were part of making the banners, that were providing prayer support, providing supplies, all the other support that was provided. Really, really want to want to thank you. The trip was incredible. We had no issues, no challenges that we couldn't, that we couldn't easily work through. Um, a few people caught colds towards the end, but otherwise everyone was healthy. We were safe. Um, we had a bus issue. There were no, there were no significant problems with that. So really, really felt so blessed on the whole trip. Um, 
if you go to the next slide, this is just us kind of, we did, um, when we were in these communities, we did the kids programs. We also did home visits. So this is just a picture of us going, um, walking to some of the different homes and really getting to see how people from the staff from Restoration Ministries have these deep connections with the people and for us to also be a part of that, which is really incredible. And then the next slide is um, we also took part in some of the other ministries that Restoration Ministries does. So this was uh, Capoeira, a martial arts, a Brazilian martial arts that they do as an outreach. Um, many people have come to faith through the orchestra that, that that has been put together in the last two years, through um, the martial arts programs that they, that they provide, through the English classes. So there's a lot of different ways that they use to reach the community and to provide something for these children. And, and then therefore the families to participate in, to bring them to the Lord. And then the last, um, I think there's one more, maybe that's the last one. That's the last one. Okay. So we're good. So I'm just going to hand, hand it down the line here for, for team members to share, um, a little bit about the time in Brazil. I don't know what happened here, but I got stuck with a small shirt. I think I'm going to donate this to Stan. Okay. <laughs> it won't fit me. Um, my wife did mention that we um, they had an orchestra, which is just amazing. Um, we go into these slum areas, and um, I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip. Some of these places are just unbelievable, and um, it's just overwhelming. You just think, like, can you do anything? Is, is there anything at Renew we're going to help? Um, but like she said, they have an orchestra. And in that last picture right there, um, one of the nights, the, the kids from these slums did a, I don't know, six, seven songs with an orchestra in that, in that building right there. And it's just like, it's just kind of amazing because you think these kids have no future and then you see them playing in this orchestra and they did a really good job. It was just kind of, it was just, I mean, it's not a, it's not like a Christian thing, but it just, there's like, um, there's just like, there's a purpose other, I mean, it is a Christian thing. I mean, it's, they're serving God when they do this, but um, it was just kind of cool to see like, there's hope for these kids. They have drive. They have ambition. And um, that's just one little thing that happened during that trip. But it was just really something that really totally surprised me. Yeah, so I guess what I want to say is I'm not a missionary. And I never thought I would be on a missions trip. So for those out there that say, oh, I'm just going to be here. Um, the Lord wants me here. I just urge you to listen to the Spirit and... Uh, because I thought we were going there to, to bless others, but really it feels like we were all blessed with the relationships with the kids and the ministry. So I just want to say that. I just urge you guys to, the Lord works through us, and he blesses us in that process. He's an awesome God. So. Yeah. Um, my favorite part was the kids because... They just, like, loved you so much, even though you were a um, complete stranger. And they, um, even though they don't have a lot, like, even with the stuff we, like, the candy, they were, like, so happy. So it was just really cool to see that. Um, the kids were my favorite part, too. Um, after church clap, they would all surround you, and they would kiss you and hug you and fight over you. It was really funny. Oh, <laughs> uh, my favorite part was the kids as well. Like when we did the home visits, like what Carl said, it's like overwhelming. But as soon as they get to like the Ajitas and stuff, they're so happy, even though they have so little in their homes. 
And I also like the ocean a lot. It was really fun. Saw a sea turtle and a stingray. So morning uh so one of my favorite parts you know over the last three four days since we've been back so many people have asked wow what was it like it's indescribable uh it's it's pretty amazing um seeing truly uh what god is doing in this mission and seeing like the work that this mission truly restoration ministries uh, it's amazing to see what they do in their community. Um, obviously, Camp California kicked it off. It was beautiful. It was amazing. We made some pretty just interneted uh, with kids and with the communities as well. But as we worked through the week and really did a lot of home visits and working with Restoration Ministries, uh, it really touched on me. Uh, you know, it would be um, unbeknownst to me if I didn't say it certainly was a life-changing experience. Uh, I think my favorite part was probably actually the staff. Um, the staff at the ministry were incredible. Some of them, most of them can't speak English, um, but they really try to create a connection with you, even with that barrier. They will help you with the kids. Um, they just made you feel right at home, and I think that was just amazing to see that, so... Yeah, um, it was an amazing trip. I just want to thank all of you for your support and prayers. Um, without that, we couldn't have gone, so appreciate it and thank you. I agree with what everything said about Restoration Ministries. It's an absolutely incredible thing. I saw a little boy at the Camp California. His name was Edward, Eduardo, and he just looked so alone and depressed and empty coming out of these poor slum areas. And then you see Pastor William, who was abandoned by his mother, and he went to the center at age eight, came to Christ at 12. He's now an ordained pastor. He's the pastor of the Restoration Ministries Church. And when he was 19, he was figured out he was 10 minutes away from his family, his first 19 years of his life, and he didn't know them. And now they're all believers. So to see the change in people's lives and, and the dedication of this staff, it was really incredible. So we just praise, we serve an awesome God and thank you for the opportunity to go and serve them. Thank you. Well, we wanna take a moment and just pray together um, and ask God to continue to bless what is been ongoing. So will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you for your goodness towards us. I just think of the testimony that, that Mike shared, just the, we're not missionaries in that sense of what we typically think in the church, but, but we are. Lord Jesus, you said, go and I will be with you. And and just being surrendered to go wherever you say to go. And the blessing that follows, it's truly transformed lives. We've heard that from this team, that it's transformed them. It changed them. It's blessed them. Holy Spirit, we pray that you continue to undergird and nurture that seed that you've placed there, that you continue to just grow the heart of Jesus bigger and bigger and bigger in each one who went on this trip. And Father, as they've been the hands and feet of Jesus to 
so many kids and, and to be an encouragement to the staff and the people that were there in Brazil. Father, we pray that you would just take that offering and like the loaves and fish, that you would just multiply it. That you would just multiply and that there would just be many, many, many who come to know Christ because of this ministry and because of those who have come along and just continue to encourage and undergird and just share Jesus. You are the true hope of the world. And so, Father, we are so thankful. We're thankful for the opportunity to partner in prayer and to give resources on this end. We're thankful that we could send people out. But most importantly, we're thankful for the Son who came from heaven, who gives us new life, and that we can proclaim that hope. So bless this team as they continue to share over the months and even years ahead about this trip, that you would use that testimony in powerful and profound ways. And Father, what they don't see, may they see it that day in heaven when we see all that has been accomplished by you, Lord, that day when they stand in your presence and they reap rewards. Some, they'll say, what is this for, Lord? And you're gonna say, it's because of that trip and that yes, I have this reward for you. And so, God, we just say thank you. We thank you for those things that are yet to be seen. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for sharing with us this morning. We really appreciate it. If you have your Bibles, open them to Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to continue in our series, uh, The Gospel of Freedom. And we're going to talk about uh, what Paul is sharing this morning about being in, in a family, in a community, having a changed identity. When I was growing up, uh, I played Little League baseball all the way up through age 12, and then Little League became, you know, senior minor, then senior major, and then you're in the high school and all that stuff. And, and uh, I remember when I was just starting Little League, everyone hated the Eagles, that team. It's like we all, and nobody liked that team because they were stacked. They had all the good kids. It's like everybody was like, Oh, I don't like those guys. And, you know, they had, you know, every team had the big kid on it. You know, there's always one big kid who's grown faster than others, you know, when they're in that age, right? But not only did they have, like, two big kids, but these kids were coordinated. Like, they could hit the ball, and they could, you know. And I was a second baseman, and whenever these kids would come up to bat, the coach would put me out in center field. And I'm thinking, why? So I can just have a better view of the ball going over the fence? Like, why are you putting me out here, <laughs> you know? And, but there was just something about, you know, that, that team that nobody liked. And so as, as other teams were kind of like, yeah, we don't like them. But then, you know, my day in the sun came, and I was on the Reds. And so, like, as those kids kind of moved on and I got a little older, my team started being the better team in the league. And there's something special about being on the team. And then, of course, nobody liked the Reds, right? <laughs> but it was one of those things, it's like you just start to feel that identity, that, that pride. It's like it didn't matter what position you were. It didn't matter where you played. 
if you were on that team, there was something to it. It was like, hey, what team do you play? Oh, I play for the Reds. There's just something about it. Something, you know, you just, you felt pride in just saying, this is my team. I'm on that one. Well, we have something even more special. We get to be in the family of God. We get to be on Team Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to look at what it means to really be with God, to have a relationship with God, to be on his team. And so if you have your Bibles, open them to chapter 3, verses 6 through 14, I'll read, and then we'll go through this passage and just see what it says about being in Christ. It says this, starting in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is, it is those of faith who are of the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and to do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the, righteousness shall, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Father, we ask that as we go through this passage, you would teach us that you would open our eyes to see Give us ears to hear. Father, that you would prompt and stir our soul to the things that you want us to pay particular attention to. And we ask that you would transform us. Transform us by just being in your presence. Transform us with the truths we hear. Transform us in the refreshed and renewed life we will live. And it's, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verses 6 and 7, Paul says this, Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So belief and righteousness here are connected. He puts them together, belief and righteousness. So belief is defined as accepting as true or acceptance of a conviction or placing trust or confidence in another. I, I think often about little kids in the sense that you can tell them anything and they believe it. <laughs> and when you're the older brother or older sister, which I was the youngest, they get you to believe some stupid stuff, don't they? They make up all kinds of things. And, and, they, and they're just like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story of my kids, one picking on the other. So I hope 
it, it doesn't go over too poorly. <laughs> but Caleb and Kate were in the backyard playing one day, and Kate was standing on the stump. And Caleb says, don't move. Like, real dramatic. There's, and he came up with this weird name. I can't even remember the name, but he's like, there's this poisonous lizard right there by you. And she's like, really? He's like, yeah, and it's on you. Don't move. And then he, like, goes off to get help. He just went off. <laughs> let's just be honest. And she's out there terrified, like, I can't move. Like, what's going to happen? That's the faith of a child. She just believed. I mean, I would have been like, you know, jumping off, probably, and, like, swatting at it. But no, she's frozen, and she's sitting there, and she's believing her brother. See, Abraham believed God. He, he believed God. God said to him promises, and he said, yep, I can trust that. I can put my faith in that. I can accept that. I, I believe it. Deep down in my gut, I believe it. It's true. We talk about that often, like having that feeling in our guts. Like, I just know. How did you know that was going to happen? Oh, I just knew. I just know. Well, that's imperfect. This is, this is God speaking, and he just says, I believe it. I trust it. I accept it. We often connect belief and faith together. The scriptures do as well in this way. Scripture defines faith like this in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Abraham is assured and he has full confidence that what God said, God will do. As he has promised, it will come to pass. He, he believes God. Abraham believed God for the promise given to him. Now the promise that that Paul is actually talking about, it, there's several nuances of the promise given to Abraham, but he's reflecting here in Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6, and Abraham's looking for an heir. He's been promised to be the father of many nations, of great nations, so like he needs an heir. He doesn't have any children. And so we read this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abraham said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. You have more there? I don't have my Bible up here. Somebody throw me a Bible. I need Genesis chapter. Huh? Oh, okay. Let me put these back on. No. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. He says, I'm going to give you a child. He's advanced in age, but he says, I will fulfill the promise. I will give you an heir. And he says, not only that, count the stars if you're able. That's how 
large your family's going to be, you know. And so Abraham believes him. Now it says here in verse 6 that Abraham believed God. And I don't want you to, to miss that. I mean, it's easy to say he believed God. It's, it's believed God, not believed in God. See, Abraham knew this as true in his soul. It wasn't just an intellectual thing. Like so often we read the Bible and we're like, oh yeah, I've read that before or I know that. Like we put the knowledge on our head. It wasn't just an intellectual thing. It wasn't just a mental assent. It wasn't just a a mental knowing. It's he's believing it. He's, He's taking it in and it's part of who he is. Abraham was a friend of God. And he experienced God's goodness. And he knew, he believed all God said was true. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That he was a friend of God. Because of his belief, it was counted or credited to him as righteousness. So it's in his account. It's in his bank account. Before he was bankrupt, now he's got everything. So now he's counted righteous. So this faith, this new standing, this new life, this life that's counted as righteousness is directly connected to his belief, to his faith. So Abraham, in faith, becomes a righteous man before God. So that's a foundational shift. That's a huge change. See, he went from being out of relationship with God to being in a relationship with God. He became a friend of God. And we too, when we come to faith in Christ, we are like Abraham. We become righteous before God and we are counted as friends. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That when you come to faith, you are like Abraham, a friend of God, counted as righteous. Before you were apart, now you are in his relationship, in his family. You are his son, his daughter. You are counted as righteous. And it's only by faith. That's a, that's a, a, a huge shift. Verse 7, again, it says this. In verse 7, Know then that those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So this is what it looks like. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him, that is Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So by faith, Abraham is counted righteous. By faith in Christ, we are counted as righteous. It is by faith. We're connected. It's by faith we're saved. So both we and Abraham, we come to God by faith. And as we do this, we are true sons, true daughters. That's how you're connected. By faith. So this is a new identity. This is a new identity. You've changed station. You've changed status. You're, You're no longer the old, you're now new. How many of you were at the Tutapona night where we celebrated? I'm going to ask you to stand up and remain standing for the rest of the night. 
think. <laughs> just kidding. I just had to get that dig in there. There is a beautiful testimony that I'm going to remind you of if you were there and share with you, the rest of you who, who weren't able to be with us that night as we celebrated Tutapona um, and their ministry. There is a, a gentleman there who was giving a testimony of working for Tutapona. His name was Peter. And what was really significant was this, that Peter said, you know, he came to, to, to know Carl and, and got into this organization, started working for Tutapona and helping in the camps and, and got to know the people and started sharing with them and starting just, just to be the hands and feet of Jesus, really, in, in very practical ways. And, and he was just there doing this work that Tutapona was doing. And over time, there was a shift. He said that his name changed. Nobody called him by his real name anymore. That he was now known as Peter Tutapona. Like, that was his name. Like, and he said, I had a phone call, and a guy calls me on the phone. He's like, Peter Tutapona. And, and he was just shocked and surprised. But what sat with me was, this is an identity shift. This is what we're talking about. When we come to Jesus, there is a whole shift. There's a whole change. You're in a new family. It, it, it has me praying. I'm still praying. I'm saying, God, what is the bridge's name? What is our family name? Maybe you can pray with me about that. Maybe God will reveal that. I would love to have that as the bridge, that people wouldn't just say, I go to the bridge, but they would say, I'm part of that family by name of what God has for us. Peter Tutapona, that became his new name, his new identity. And so we have a new identity. We are brought in. We are brought near. We become sons and daughters of Abraham. We also become sons and daughters of the most high king of the universe. Verse 8, it says this. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Now that's a pretty interesting way to talk about the scriptures. They're personified here. They knew, they preached. The scriptures foreknowing preached to Abraham. So a couple of things to, to say here. When you read your Bible, God is speaking to you. When you read the scripture, he's talking. Now, I understand the context and the people might be different, but he's telling us truths. He's given us revelation. And those truths then are true today. And he's revealing stuff about himself as he worked among people then. And so as we read the scriptures, so if you're thinking, I don't know God's will for my life, open the Bible. Open the Bible. Start there. Because he's talking. He's speaking. And as you read it, and as you see the truths, ask God, God, what are you saying to me in this? What are you revealing to me? What am I supposed to take away? How am I supposed to live differently? What does this say to me in this moment? Because the truths are still speaking. His word is perfect and good. And it tells us how to know God and how his friends walk with him. If you are a friend of God, if Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. If you're a friend of God, you know what he says. You spend time with him. You listen to him. You, you hear his heart for you. 
And so he is speaking. Now, I want us to look at the word personified, the scripture personified a little bit more. Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 and verse 14. Verses 1 through 5 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. Verse 14, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Who is this talking about? Shout it out. Jesus. Alagos, the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. It was, in the beginning was Christ. He came, took on flesh, became like us, fully God, fully man. And, and he is speaking. God spoke to us through the Son. The Word of God is Christ personified. He came and he ministered the promise to Abraham. And if we think of God speaking then we need to look at Christ. If you want to really see the word of God in action, look at Jesus. What did he say? What did he do? How did he treat people? What was, what was his mission? You're like, this is God in the flesh, working among us, speaking to us, leading us, calling us to himself. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. He came and brought salvation to those who would believe him. So Jesus himself even talks about his voice and us hearing his voice even today. John 10, verse 7. So Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the way in. I am the door. Hmm. Verse 9. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. In verses 25 through 28, and Jesus answered them, and he's talking to Pharisees and Sadducees and others, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is the word of God speaking to us in the person of Jesus. That I am the door. I give eternal life. If you believe in me, you will have eternal life, and you will hear my voice, and I lay down my life for you, and I lead you as a shepherd this is the friendship of God. I mean, when you think about, I'm a friend of God, think about the friendship of God to you, his love for you. It's personified in Jesus. It comes in Jesus. He loves you, and he sent his son to die for you, to redeem you, to rescue you. And this is what 
Abraham was promised that one coming through him is going to bless all the nations, that there will be one to come. And Abraham believes, and Jesus says, those who believe have eternal life. And so we see all who believe are blessed and become what? One flock. Doesn't matter what tribe, race, nation, tongue you come from. If you have faith, you are one flock. He says, I have sheep of other flock and I have to bring them also and we will be one with one shepherd. God, our Father, over us, one flock, one people, his people. And so he has brought us together. And Father Abraham <laughs> is the one we, we teach our kids about, that, that song. Okay, how many of you know it? Should I make you stand up and do the motions? I saw you do them in the back there. Penny's going to lead us. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But you remember doing that with all the kids. Father Abraham and many sons. Okay, I'm not going to do the whole song. But, you know, and we get everyone going and moving and all that. That's, that's just truth. How does he have many sons? Because we say in that song, I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then we all you know, go crazy, right? It, how is that possible? It's by faith. We're brought in and we're one. And, and so we are blessed in Abraham in that way. It's by faith. Verse 9, he goes on. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So then those who receive Christ are blessed with Abraham, who was blessed in God. Have you ever gone somewhere and you, you weren't really sure about it, but you were invited by somebody? Maybe it was a game or... Or maybe it was meeting at like a, a, a barbecue or something. It's like, hey, we're all going to go over to this guy's house. You're like, I don't know that guy. And they're like, ah, oh, it's all right. Just come on. And, and then you show up. And inevitably, somebody looks at you and they're like, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? You know, I got asked that a lot at a family reunion in Kansas when I was young because nobody knew me because I wasn't born before my parents moved and all this kind of stuff. And, and so we show up, and everybody knows my sister, and they kind of know my brother because he was just a baby. But then they look out to me, and they're like, who are you? <laughs> well, I got to say, I'm with them. <laughs> like, I'm Amelia's kid. I'm part of that family. And then they're like, oh, okay. Didn't even know. Nice to meet you. You know, that kind of thing. Or you get to that party or that place, and they, and they say, who are you? And you say, well, I came with this person. Better yet, that person's with you. And he says, he's with me. And they say, come right in. Jesus is with you. So when the devil goes to make accusation before the Father, Jesus says, he's with me. He's fine. He's my friend. I'm his friend. He belongs here. We have friendship with God. We can come in. The best, I think, is, is just the illustration of the prodigal son, the son who left, rebelled against his father, spent all his life living riotously, comes to his senses, says, I'm going to go home, and I'll just be a servant at the house. And he comes home, what? The father wraps him up in his arms, puts a cloak on his back, puts a ring on his finger, puts shoes back on his feet, says, come inside, we're going to have a party you were dead, now you're alive. My son has returned to me. 
and he just loves him. And, and that what's so beautiful about that is not that it's talking about the judicial being saved. That is true. We are made right. Our sin is forgiven judicially. We are not guilty. But what that illustrates, what I love so much about that is that it illustrates the relationship with God, how he loves us. Not only does he declare us not guilty, he wants to put his arms around us, put a cloak on our back, put shoes on our feet, a ring on our feet. He wants to love us as a son, as a daughter. He says, this one's mine. They were dead. Now they're home. We're going to have a party. I love this one. This one's mine. He's with me. That comes through faith in Christ. Verse 10, it says this, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So works in themselves lead to what? They lead to death. Man, that's the return for your labor if that's how you're trying to get to heaven is death, is separation. This is the curse of God on man. Now, did you catch that, what I just said? I said, that's the curse of God, that those separated will be punished. Sin must be punished. And the curse is separation. So you, you are under his wrath, as it says in the scriptures, unless you have something to remove that wrath. Man cannot make himself righteous by the works of his hands or the sweat of his brow or the strength of his will or his determination. If you live by the law, you must keep all the law and you must keep it perfectly. James says this in chapter 2, verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. That's hefty. So, so then the law does not justify us before God. It can't. That's what he's saying here. Verses 11 and 12, Paul says this. He says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. So he says that we have to live by it if that's how we're trying to get to the, to the Lord, if that's how we're trying to be saved. You have to do it all perfectly. And Paul says something about this curse, and knowing that people are trying this, he says this, Romans 9, 3, he's speaking about this curse and about Israel, his brethren, he says, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. What's he saying? What is the curse? The curse is being cut off. He says, but I have been redeemed and I'm saved and Christ has me. And I know that my brothers don't have him. And I know that they're under the curse. He said, oh, if I could take that curse and it would save them, I would do it. But he knows that only one can do it, and that's Jesus. See, the law is not of faith. It's obedience. It's action. It's works. So you have to live by it perfectly if that's how you're trying to get to God, and you can't do it. 
You ever watch Way of the Master? Anybody here watch Way of the Master? Okay, come on, more than four of you have seen Way of the Master. Really? With Kirk Cameron in that? Okay, so anyway, I have to get a clip. Jeez, I was like, I don't need a clip for that. So they like to share Christ with people on the street, and he goes just through the Ten Commandments. And they just start talking to people like, okay, let's go through the Ten Commandments. Are you a sinner? And people are like, no, I'm a good person. And, and then he just starts saying, have you ever stolen anything? Even as a little kid. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's a time I took a gum or whatever. And he's like, all right, so you're a thief. Well, I'm a thief. It's like, well, you've stolen. You've broken the law. You're a thief. Have you ever uh, committed adultery? Oh, no, I haven't committed adultery. It's sometimes people are like, well, yeah, I've done some pretty bad things. I have murdered. I have committed adultery. Some, most people, though, on the street, they're like, well, no, I haven't done that. He said, well, Jesus says if you've lusted after a woman, it's adultery in your heart. Have you ever had lust? And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, who hasn't? I, that's usually kind of the expression. Who hasn't? You know, we've all been there. He's like, all right, so, so you're an adulterer. You're a liar. You, you know, he just goes through the list. He's like, geez, you've broken like seven of the Ten Commandments, you know? He's like, so are you a sinner? And they're like, yeah, I'm a sinner. What's, what's he pointing to? You can't keep it perfectly. You can't keep the law. Not even the Ten Commandments. We don't keep it perfectly. We like to play games and fool ourselves, but we don't do it. So we need a rescuer. Verse 13 is our rescue. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who has hanged on a tree. Christ redeems us. He frees us from the curse by being cursed for us. John Piper, in his, he had a little booklet on all the reasons Christ came to die. Um, he writes this, speaking of our passage. He says, there was no escape for the curse of the law, from the curse of the law. It was just. We were guilty. There was only one way to be free. Someone must pay the penalty. That's why Jesus came. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. See, Jesus was placed on the cross. He was rather hung on the tree publicly. That was great shame. He endured that punishment. He endured that shame for us. That's the friendship of God towards sinners. That's the love of God towards you, that Christ would be hung on a tree and bear that shame that is yours for you to take your curse on himself. Deuteronomy 21, 23 says this. It says, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day for a hangman is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Now it's not talking about hanged as in with a noose. It could be but it's really what it's saying is after the punishment of death was given in Israel, they, if, if the crime and the offense was bad enough, they would take that body and they would put it on public display and it would not just shame him, it shame his whole family. It shame that person's relatives and those connected to him, but they would not leave them overnight. So the shame was there, but it, it was of short duration and he was brought down. But if we think about the scriptures being fulfilled, Christ was hung on the tree and he was brought down before sunset. It fulfilled the law of God, and he was buried. So all that Jesus did was perfect. All that he did for us was fulfilled that by faith, we would have our curse taken. 
at the moment of his judgment, he spoke these words, Eloi, Eloi, lava sabasini. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he was cut off. He became a curse for you, for me. So that we could become the righteousness of God by faith. That we would become sons and daughters. That God would become our friend. That we would have relationship restored. So verse 14, we read this. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. We receive the promise, the blessing of Abraham. That's reconciliation. That's forgiveness. That's being brought back to God. Friendship with God. And not only that, the promise of the spirit through faith. The promise of the spirit. John 14 Verses 16 and 17 says this, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is a fulfillment of Ezekiel 36 verses 26 through 28 where God is speaking and he says this through the prophet, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give you, give to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. In Galatians 3, 5 says this, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And this all comes back to how did you come into this relationship with God? And Paul says it was only by faith. Only by faith are we saved. Only by faith are we made new. Only by faith is our identity changed. Only by faith do we become sons and daughters of Abraham. Only by faith do we receive God as not just father, but as friend. So let me ask you a few questions as we, as we close. Have you believed Christ? Not just believed on Christ or believe in Christ or what the scriptures. Have you believed him? When Jesus says, come to me and your sins will be forgiven, are you like, yes, I believe that. That the promise was given to you. Do you believe that you have new life? If so, do you think of your relationship with God as one of son and daughter or friend? What does your relationship with God look like? I have to, I have to admit, for me, I don't always think of God as friend. But here he says, I will put my spirit in you and you will be able to walk in my statutes. Why? Because as a friend, when I'm a friend of God, I love him. I want to spend time with him. I want to do things, not out of obligation, but because I want to show affection to him. So I do all that I can, but the spirit of God empowers me to do it. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Like I fulfill the law, not because it saves me, but because I want to do it. A servant does it out of obligation. 
Do you think of your relationship with God as one of servant, slave? Yes, we're slaves to Christ, we're slaves to God. But if you think of yourself mainly as a servant, Jesus says, I have spoken to you and I have called you friend. I have shown you everything that the Father has shown me. I've shown it to you. Why does he say that? Because he says, I want to move you from servant to friendship. I want you to be close to me, near to me. I want you to experience what it means to really be a friend of God, to be a son, a daughter. So he moves us into that. And if we think of it as just we have to do these things because God commands us to, then you're living more as a servant than you are as a friend. And we do serve God. We do love God. We do those things that he calls us to do. But it's not out of that obligation. It's out of that desire if you receive the blessing of new life in Christ, how are you living it out? If you've received that blessing, how, what does it look like? Yes, I'm a son. Yes, I'm a daughter. Hey, I have new life. Okay, what does it look like? How, how are you walking in that? What is God doing in your life? What needs to change? And have you received the promise of the Spirit through faith? At the end, he says, we received the promise of the Spirit. I think many of us, we say, yes, I received the Spirit. I, I received Jesus. And I was baptized by the Spirit. I was sealed by the Spirit. I have eternal life. And it's like, I'm done. Good. There's so much more that the Holy Spirit does. There's so much more that he does in our lives. He transforms us and changes us. He, he draws us to uh, deeper affections with Christ, and he has good gifts to give us. And all of this is the benefit of the Spirit being in us, dwelling with us. Have you received the blessing of the Spirit through faith? These are things for us to talk about later when you talk about how good or how bad my sermon was with everybody else. <laughs> But ponder these questions. What is God saying to you today? After, after we've seen, uh, we, we often have a prayer team available and, and we'll continue to have that. But if you want to pray with somebody about these things, or if you just want to pray with somebody today, we'll, we'll have opportunities to pray at the end of the service with someone just to go and pray. Will you stand with me? And let's, let's pray now. Father, we thank you for this passage and we thank you for all that you've done in Christ for us. And Father, by faith we are brought near and we are changed. Our lives are transformed. We are no longer uh, under wrath, but we're under grace and we are sons and daughters of Abraham. And so we just want to celebrate that in this next moment. We want to give you praise. We want to thank you from the depths of our, of our soul because we know, we know. Holy Spirit, help us to answer those questions I posed and help us to live more in relationship with you as, as friend. Whatever that may look like for us, would you reveal that, how we need to walk differently? And may you be glorified and as we walk with you, may our joy be made full. As in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
The Bridge Bible Church stands to exalt the name of Jesus. We seek to be a community that gives glory to Christ above all things and welcomes all people to join us in worshiping Him. If you don't have a church home, consider visiting ours. We are ordinary people who want to live life with authentic faith. For more information on how to get connected, deepen your faith, and experience what God has for you, please visit our 